wilderness. This week's going to be in the wilderness for you without your phone. Oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. Help me. The wilderness temptation. We all experience times in our life when we're walking through the wilderness. How many of you have ever had a bad day? I've had a couple. I'll admit it. I've had a couple. Most Sundays are bad days for me if I'm following my team. Most Sundays they're losing. So it's a bad day if you're a sports fan and your team's losing. Yeah, that's a bad day. But you know what? When we're talking about spiritual things, there's good days. There's good days even when bad things are happening. You can still have a good day. That's not my sermon. I'm getting back to my notes. Wilderness experience. We've all had bad days. But while we're in the wilderness, there's seemingly always a time of temptation. Always a time of temptation. I'll just be honest with you. I don't have to be in the wilderness sometimes, and I still get tempted. Has anybody in here, has the devil give up on you? Is he still trying to kill you? Still take things from you? He only tries to kill and to steal things that are valuable. You need to understand what he's trying to do to us. You don't have to be in the wilderness to be tempted. We all know that. The time in the wilderness is the preparation of a Christian, and it cannot be overemphasized. We have to understand that while we're in these trials, when we're in the wilderness, we're being prepared for something. Some of the things the last few weeks we've been praying, we've been praying bold prayers. We've been praying great big things. God just, I just feel like God's saying, you're not praying big enough dreams for me. You're not praying big enough prayers for me. I've said up here and I've said it over and over and over. I said, devil, I'm declaring war on you. And ever since then, the devil said, okay, challenge accepted. And he's been attacking. And he's been attacking. And he's been attacking. Over and over and over. Not just me, but you too. Guess what? I put you in that position. Just blame me. Say, Pastor, this is your fault. Do you know what? We, we cannot do what God wants us to do and still be running with the devil. You have to declare. We cannot coexist with the devil. Cannot coexist with him. It doesn't matter what we're talking about in our life. We can't coexist with it. Cannot do it. I hate the bumper sticker, coexist. I hate it. Spirit rises up to me. I'm like, no, I won't coexist with that. Back to the notes. Both Luke and Matthew record Jesus' time in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. This is exciting news to me. All right, let me tell you why. If you're going through a tough time, a wilderness time, I want you to remember you're at the beginning of something great. You're at the beginning of something great. I heard Dane Hall, I'm going to say it before he gets here this week. If you're in the middle of something, guess what? You're already halfway through it. Now you're coming out of it. Glory. Because we may not understand why we've been in the wilderness. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people. Nothing should happen to me. That's a Drew. But bad things happen to good people. But when we stay faithful to God and we come out of that, we're going to see some awesome power of God manifested right before our eyes and in our lives. Jesus spent 40 days alone in the desert, abstaining from food and noise and distractions. 
Aren't you glad I didn't ask you to go on a 40-day fast? Be like Jesus. Get saved. Well, that's not Jesus, but you get saved. And then you be like Jesus. You get baptized. Then go on a 40-day fast. I think everybody be saying, I don't want to be baptized today. Both gospel writers, they tell us this was a time ordained by the Holy Spirit. You think, the wilderness was ordained by God? That don't make sense. God wants great things for me. I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. How can it, it can't be the wilderness? God did not put me this. This is the devil. He's tricking me. He's pulling me into this. We never want to believe that God ordained the wilderness for us, do we? God, why? I want to look at three things tonight. Shouldn't be long. It's only eight pages and they're great big words, so it shouldn't be very long at all. Some of us, though, are like children who are told not to go out the door, and we still go out the door. How many's ever did that? Wait till mom and dad turned their head, and you just went ahead and did whatever. You know, I'm reaping. I know. God's helping me. You ever get this one? Don't put the keys in the wall socket. Who knew you'd blow a breaker and get shocked? Some things you just have to experience, I guess. Don't miss church, but we still let everything keep us out of church. Yeah. You're thinking to myself, we're here. I know, you're here. I'm not complaining at you. I'm just giving you, I'm the messenger tonight. This is what God gave me. God calls us to be faithful in everything. When we misbehave, the Holy Spirit is screaming, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't know how many times I've did something. I was like, I do better than that. Something told me not to do it. When I was growing up, I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit trying to talk to me. And you guys are over here at the age. I did some dumb things. And the whole time I was like, I knew better than to put them keys in there. But I did it. I knew better than to get on the fifth step and dive off like I was Superman and fall flat on my chest. But I did it. The Spirit is speaking to us. He's trying to help us go to the right direction. Sometimes we're just not listening. We just keep on going, doing our own thing. The Spirit's telling us, adults, the Spirit's talking to us every day, leading and guiding us. We have to pay attention. Then we find ourselves under conviction and miserable. We went against what the Holy Ghost wanted us to do. And now it just... It feels like we're being beat up on the inside. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I go there? Why did I... I want to say this, and I say it all the time. I pray, God, convict me. I pray it over you. God, convict you. It's not because I'm trying to condemn you, because I don't want God to stop showing us, stop telling us, stop If you just stop telling your kids how to live, it means you don't care about them. Sam, it means you don't care about them anymore. God keeps convicting us. The Holy Spirit keeps convicting us because he loves us. He knows what we're doing is going to take us away from, from his plan for us. I may only get it through a couple pages tonight. I think everybody here knows what I'm talking about. I want to read a scripture in James chapter 1, verse 12. It said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised them that love him. Do you love Jesus today? Endure means to hold up under or to suffer something painful or difficult patiently. I've endured some bad things in my life. Another meaning says, or to remain in existence, or to last. Endure. We have to endure temptation sometimes. I want to read, this is, this is my main text right here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness. There it is again. Jesus was led into the wilderness. That, that sounds crazy. Let's, let's keep reading. He's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, that makes no sense at all. Holy Ghost, don't send me out in the wilderness to be tempted. This is exactly what, this is, this is in your Bible. Look it up. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. This is in your Bible. Verse 2 says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. I could say amen to that. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written. He's using, he's using his word. He's using that Old Testament good right here. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him upon a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, wouldn't you just like to slap the devil? If you're the son of God. I don't know how Jesus did just tear, him, tear his head off and pin his ears back and do something. He said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. Throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall, say, or he shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up into a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Isn't that bold? The devil said, telling Jesus, bow down and worship me. He knew who he was. He knew he's in a vulnerable place because he was all man. He was the deity of Jesus, but he's on earth. He's all man. And so he's going after the man right here. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall serve. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I'm going to pray. And we're going to study just a little bit of this tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's alive. It is God-breathed, Lord, and we take it in today, the seed of the word. God, I thank you, Lord, for this word because it's going into a fertile ground tonight. And I ask you, Lord, to help us to see, help us to hear what you'd have us to see and hear. I ask you to hide me behind the shadow of the cross. Anoint me, Father, because your word's already anointed. Anoint your servant as I deliver your message. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. My question to you tonight is, why did Jesus face this grueling 40 days of a fasting and then temptation in the wilderness? It's rhetorical. I don't want you screaming answers. But when you start thinking about this, why? 
why was he tempted like this? And one of the things I come up with is, could it be to identify with humanity? I believe so. Listen to Hebrews. This is the NIV version of Hebrews 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He was tempted in every way. He had the devil right there with him. Attempted. Sometimes I look around and I expect to see the devil. Jesus was looking eyeball to eyeball with him. He knew who he was. But he was tempted in every way as a man, just as we are, but yet he succeeded. He's showing us something. He's showing them that he, the human side of the, this can be done. To succeed where Adam failed, thereby bringing victory over sin to those who believe in him. Romans 5.18 says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, we're talking about Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, we're talking about Jesus there, the free gift came upon all men to, unto justification of life. One man, sin come into the world. One man, we have justification. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I believe one of the reasons Jesus went in the wilderness was to show us how to overcome our temptation while we're in the wilderness. I believe that's one of the reasons why. We know Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, but we don't know what happened during them 40 days. We don't. We know what happened after the 40 days. I know one thing. He was hungry. I know that that become a problem. He was hungry. We know Jesus was tempted three times after the 40 days were finished. But this account gets down to where we live on our daily basis. This happens to us all the time. You're thinking, what? I don't know that it happens to me. Yes, it does. Let me, let me reassure you, it does. It happens to us every day. Every believer faces temptation most every day. Jesus reveals some things that we need to overcome, how, how we can overcome temptation in the wilderness. Number one. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to walk this walk. Amen. Matthew 4 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit up to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus' journey into the wilderness was accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't walking into something that he didn't have a, a, a friend with. He didn't have a comforter with. He had the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was here on earth, he was deity. Yes, he's Jesus. But he come down, was born of a woman so he could become a man. And he had to have the Holy Spirit to live his life out here on earth. He's showing us something here. He did this on purpose to show us we have to have the Holy Spirit to walk this out. Well, I'm not getting a bunch of amens, but it's the truth anyway. We seem to think that every time that we're in the wilderness, that we're not saved. And Jesus, you know, Jesus has left us. The devil has led us out into the wilderness. God would have never did this to me. Ask Job. Ask Job. No, God didn't do that to Job. There Satan is again, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm itching. You know, I'm, I'm wanting to do something. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, but you won't let me do what I want to do to him. He said, you do whatever you want. Just don't kill him. Really, God? Throw me to the wolves here. 
The Spirit will lead us into wilderness times to grow us in faith and our trust in Jesus. But we're foolish if we think that we can survive temptation in the wilderness on our own. Well, how do I back that up? Let's go to Galatians 3 and 3. Are you so foolish? Question mark. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? I like the NIV version of that. Are you so foolish? Question mark. It kind of sounds the same, don't it? After beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort? This is his word. He's speaking to us right here in Galatians. There it is. Are you, are you being foolish and thinking you can do this by yourself without the Spirit? What makes you think you can do this without the Spirit? Ouch. You're right, Jesus. We can't do this without the Spirit. Thank you for showing us that. We are tiny. Puny. I'm not sure I spelled that right, but I have puny in here too. We're tiny. We're puny and weak when compared with the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. We are. Facing temptation on your own is like walking down the streets of New York. Try, try that walking alone down the city, city street of New York, Atlanta, Georgia. Sometimes Greenbrier scares me. Kind of like swimming in a pond with piranhas, pardon, or a pond with sharks in it. I'll just tell you a little secret you didn't know about me. I don't swim in anything but a swimming pool that I can see the bottom. And sometimes when I'm swimming underwater and I, I shut my eyes, I will open my eyes sometimes, but when I'm shutting my eyes, and then I get to think that there might be a shark in here. And so I get out real quick. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but something. That's a confession. That wasn't in my notes. Trying to do something without the spirit. It's trying to swim with the sharks with a with a wound. You're gonna be eat up. You're gonna be eat up. We need somebody with us who scares the devil, who causes him to tremble in fear. That someone is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We cannot do it by ourselves. We have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Ghost in our lives. Hallelujah. Jesus set people free by casting out the devil. And then he said in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He who believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And in John 16, 7, it says, It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I not... if I go not away. The Comforter, or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call him, will, will, come, will not come unto you, but if I depart, he will send him unto us. He had to leave. He sent the Holy Spirit. There was a reason for that. We need the Holy Spirit. How many likes gifts? Ferris loves gifts. And she's not here for me to pick on, so I'll pick on her anyway. She loves gifts, so at Christmas time, she gets her gifts, every gift. She opens it up, she's, she calls me Boo, and she says, Boo, and I said, here's the gift. I have no idea what it is, because Shelly bought it. And so it's wrapped, I said, oh, I bought that special for you, I hope you like that. And I'm just teasing around with it. And she opens it up, and every time she goes to cry, and she comes up, she's got to hug me. Well, after she gets done doing that, I get a little ornery. 
I take that box, I get some more wrapping paper, and I sneak off into another room, I wrap it up again, and I give it to her again. Same gift, and do it again. And it just happens, it happens over and over and over. Christmas Day, it's over and over. Each time she's excited, every time. She's excited every time. Lord, help me. People like getting gifts. The Holy Spirit is a gift from the heavens that God has sent down for us to help us live. Who doesn't want a free gift? I've got some gifts in my time that they wasn't worth having. You get them, you're like, this was not a gift. This was a curse. My brother one time got a BB gun for a present, and he just loved that BB gun. He wasn't real smart, and uh, he took that BB. He's probably watching tonight, so I'm, I'm telling off on him. Uh, it was a pellet gun slash BB gun, so it was extra powerful. It wasn't just like my little Daisy Red Rider. It, brother Andrew, if I shoot at you right now, he'd go, pew, boom. So I had to adjust it so I could get it to you. I had to shoot way up in there. He had a strong gun. It was a pump, and he'd pump this thing up. He had it in the bus. We were evangelists traveling around. He didn't know how to empty the gun, though. He thought, I need to empty this thing. So we had five-inch foam mattresses on our bunks in the bus. So he, he didn't pump the gun. He just started emptying the gun into his foam mattress. He took his sheet back and was doing it. Well, he kept finding the BB, and it was almost through every time. And so he just left his hand there, and he kept shooting the BBs in there, and he'd just pick them out. Until one time, one time, Jaden. One time, the BB went all the way through and hit his finger and went in his finger. That was the one, the one gift he was thinking, this was a curse. Why'd you give me this gun? I told him, that's not the way you empty it. And he goes, how do you empty it? I opened up the same hole. You put the BBs in and just shook it out and they all come out. And I, there you go. Free gift. Free gift. Let's look at Paul. Paul's letting the Holy Spirit work through. And listen to this. We're just talking about this today. Acts 16 and 18. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. James 4 and 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Romans 8 and 11 said, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then you can say, Luke 4 and 8, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Hallelujah. And then walk in victory. You have that deliverance power. Walk in victory then. The same power that kicks Satan out of heaven will still conquer him here on earth. It will. We have to be led by the spirit. Number two. We have to have the Word of God. We have to have the Word of God. When Jesus was facing temptation, he used the Word of God to overcome it. He didn't try to argue the devil down or reason with him. He didn't try to impress Satan with the great display of power. He used the Word of God. He used the Word of God. Jesus used the absolute, perfect, complete, pure, and inherent Word of God. Satan would have us to believe that we can embrace certain forms of temptation and overcome them Anytime we want. Well, you know, I've been in that before, so I know what to look for, so I can, I can stay away from that. I heard of a church up in Missouri. They were trying to do a good work at a church, and they were going to the strip club. 
And they, they were taking the girls' food. And, and I'm not down in that ministry at all. That's, that's a great ministry. But, you know, one of the strippers shouldn't be one of the ones going in there to deliver the food. If you're an alcoholic and God delivers it from you, he's probably not going to call you into the bar again to minister. Not right away, anyway. We think, well, you know, I can handle that. You know what? It doesn't hurt for me to listen to God. You're going to get me beat up tonight. It doesn't hurt for me to watch movies with cussing in it because I hear it all the time and it doesn't affect me because it never comes out. I keep it pressed down and I never say them cuss words. Well, you know what? A little nudity is not that bad. It's not that great a thing. You know, everybody's seen this before. I, I could watch that. Come on, church. You know I'm speaking the truth. He's called us to a holy life. Man, this is not my notes. God's just speaking to me. He's called us to a holy life. We've got to get closer and closer. Let's not see how close we can get to the world and still be saved. Let's see how close we can get to God, how much of the world we can leave behind. Lord, help us. Thinking we can over, we just overcome it by ourselves. We don't have to. We don't have to have the spirit. We don't have to have the word. I put it in my notes. If that's the case, just ask the person's addicted to alcohol, drugs, pornography. Just quit. You can do it. Just quit. It's okay. You can do it. You have to have the power. You have to have the power of the Holy Ghost. There's some things the Bible says to flee from. Fornication, idolatry, love of wealth, youthful lusts. Don't try to display your spiritual power by playing with temptation. Run from it like Joseph did. When we were in youth, I preached that sermon. I don't know how many times the kids that are in their 20s now would be able to tell you that. I preached that over and over and over. Run. Run from temptation. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you smart. Run from temptation. Lord, help us. Jesus didn't try to just shout the devil down. All the shouting in the world would not overcome Satan if we don't know the word of God. We have to know the word of God. Notice that even after quoting scripture, Satan kept coming back to him. Jesus is quoting scripture to him, and Satan just keeps coming back to him. <coughs> he incorrectly, incorrectly thinks, we incorrectly think, that if we quote a scripture, it'll scare the devil, and he'll just run away. No, you have to know the word of God. Don't get me wrong. He ain't going to run away. This is not my notes either, but the devil, I can tell you a secret. I hear this all the time. I believe in God. I said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? You're saying, I believe in God. Great. That brings you up to the level of the devil. The devil believes in God too. Guess what? Well, I know the scriptures. Guess what? Demons know the scriptures. So what are you telling me? You better get saved. You better be saved. You better have the Holy Ghost leading and guiding you. Satan quoted the scripture back to Jesus. Did you notice it? Matthew 4 and verse 6, he said, this is the devil. And he said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. He said, it's written. These are scriptures. Jesus, you should know this. This is scriptures right here. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear, bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Satan's quoting Psalms 91 and 11. 
Look it up. It's in your Bible too. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Psalms 91 verse 12. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Well, what's Satan doing quoting scriptures? Oh, boy, we're going deep. What do you do when Satan gives you a scriptural reason to justify sin? Don't get quiet because then I'll think it's you. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 5.23. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for the stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now, I'll tell you right now, before we go any farther, after church, if you want a handout on this, I've got two pages I will give you about this scripture. Come and see me. I'll go in there and print them up. I actually have two right here. If you want to see this, because I'm not going to go in depth on that. But here's what we, we, we read these things, and we're taking things out of context. Well, since you put it that way, Satan, I guess it wouldn't hurt to do it this one time. You know, Satan, you have a good point. I never looked at it that way. You quoted the scripture to me. I know you're right. That's, that's got to be it. Then why would it be in the word like that? We need to know what the word says, but we must realize that quoting scripture is not a secret formula that's going to magically make the de devil disappear from our lives. It's not. He already knows what the Bible says. We have to submit to God. Submit. Shelly's favorite word to hate, submit. You'll never guess why. <laughs> Hallelujah. Keep saying amen, Shelly, or they're going to think it's you. <laughs> amen. Number three, we have to have a commitment. Yeah. We have to have a commitment. If there's an area where we fail, it's right here. It's the commitment part of it. Everything hinges on our commitment. Every, the weight of everything hinges on our commitment, our commitment to God. Jesus quoted scripture, but it wasn't his ability to quote scripture that gave him the victory. He quoted scripture to let Satan know that what he was committed to. These scriptures was part of him. They were inside of him. It wasn't just a scripture to him. He was leaving these scriptures out. I know exactly what the word says, Satan. And here it is. He'd quote the scripture to him. It was part of him. He had submitted. He had submitted to the will of the Father. He had made that commitment. Jesus was committed to obeying God's word. Many people know the word, can quote the word and shout up a storm, but are not committed to the word. But they also have no power over temptation. This is tough word. This has been burning in me a week. But it's good word. You say, well, Drew, what are you talking about? A commitment, a submitting and everything. You can know all the word you want to know. But if you're not letting it change you, it's not doing anything for you. It's just words. It's just words. Is it the inspired word? Yes. You have to apply it to your life. Brother Tony Burroughs used to always say, pick out a scripture every day and walk that scripture out. When I was younger, I'd pick one that said, greet your brothers with a holy kiss because I'd want all the girls come kissing on me. I want to live that one out today, God. <laughs> hmm. Acts 19, 13, and then 
NIV Bible. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. You know what that verse says right there? There is no commitment. There is no submission. There is no commitment in that scripture. That's what they were doing. They were trying to use Jesus' name. They're trying to use it, and they didn't understand what it meant. They didn't have it in their heart. And, you know, in Paul, you know, I've seen Paul do this, so in Paul's name, you, you come out. There's no commitment. There is absolutely no commitment there. It's not the hearers of the word of God that are justified, but the doers of the word of God. It is our commitment to the word of God that gives us victory over temptation and sin. We can't go around compromising the word and expecting to walk in victory. Hallelujah. Amen, Drew. That's a good one right there. You know what? You know, I think God would allow me to do that. Go back to that, that drinking one. You know, got stomach issues. I need a little wine for that, you know. Again, come see me after church. I got a two-page little leaflet you need to go home with if you think that's all right. Lord, help us. Help us to understand, God. Help us to make that commitment and be submitted to you. We can't compromise the word of God and expect to walk in victory. We can't look around and see what we can hold on to. This is what I just mentioned a minute ago. See how close we can stay with sin and still have, still experience Jesus. Sometimes, I, I'm not trying to beat you up, but sometimes we come into church, and I did it myself, I come in here and I get the overflow from somebody else. We feel the little goosebumps. We feel the Holy Spirit through something. It's nothing that we earn. We don't have the commitment to make that prayer time. We don't have that commitment to read our word. We're getting an overflow from somebody else that's doing it. Are you guilty? I've been guilty. Come on. Let's be honest tonight. We're, we're Christians, right? We're not going to lie. We've all been there. We have to have that commitment. James 4 and 7 says, Submit or commit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Well, Brother Drew, I think I can keep doing this or that because God doesn't really care, and I believe God doesn't care because if it was wrong, he would take it away from me. I've heard that. If it was really wrong, God would, God would just take it away from me. Not true. Not true. Not true. He wants you to give it to him. He wants you to have faith and trust him. He wants you to commit everything to him. Until it's uncomfortable. Until it's uncomfortable. I'm talking everything. Until it's uncomfortable. Then you'll find out how much you trust. How much you have faith in God. commitment listen to the psalmist david's heart blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the lord blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart they also do no iniquity they walk in his ways thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently Shelley, would you come Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statues. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. Then I will have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not. 
Hallelujah. We notice that Jesus was tempted three times, three different ways. I want to take you this last thing. 1 John 2 and 16 says, For all that is in the world, number one, the lust of the flesh, number two, the lust of the eyes, and number three, the pride of life, is not of the Father. Is not of the Father. Three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Jesus was tempted in these three areas. Adam and Eve were tempted in these same areas. And guess what? We're tempted in these same areas. Devil's tactics sometimes look a little different. It's still the same old thing. We just uncover. Brother Scott, we've been talking. We're just exposing for what he is. Exposing for what he is. Temptation in all of its forms and fashions will fall into one of these three categories. While we're in the wilderness, we'll face temptation. But we can overcome if we walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Stay full of God's word and remain committed to what it says to do.